1943, Dr. Edward Podolsky wrote a book on marriage. And in his book on marriage, he listed what he called the commandments for how to be a good wife. And I thought it would be a good idea for us to go over some of those commandments today. These are the commandments on how to be a good wife. I'm just going to give you a few of them. One of the commandments says this, Don't bother your husband with petty troubles and complaints when he comes home from work. John, John's liking that one. Another commandment says this, Be a good listener. Let him tell you his troubles. Yours will seem trivial by comparison. How about that? Remember, the most important job is to build up and maintain his ego, which gets bruised plenty in business. Morale is a woman's business. That's a good one, isn't it? And here's one more. Let him relax before dinner. Discuss family problems after the inner man has been satisfied. I, I like all of those, don't you? 1943? Guys, you maybe want to, I can print those out for you. You can put them on the refrigerator where they're going to see them every day. Uh, pack your bags first if you do that. You know, make sure, make sure you're ready to leave. Make sure you're ready to escape. 1943. We read those rules from 1943 and, and they seem so outdated. How, how could anybody live by those? This guide is, is old-fashioned. It is out of touch. It is, it is out of touch with our world. 1943. So what do we do with something that was written in A.D. 55? What do we do with something like this? Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. If words from 1943 don't apply to us today, what do we do with words from A.D.? 55. What do we expect to find here? What do we do with a passage like this? Sadly, passages like this one have been misused. They've been misapplied. Passages like this one have been used to keep women subservient and submissive. And, and I can tell you more than, than one time in my experience, passages like this have been used to keep women in abusive relationships. And then on the other side, passages like this, as, we, as we're going to get in a little deeper, have been used to make men feel like failures. <clears throat> to feel like we're failures when it comes to, to loving and caring and leading our family. And neither effect is helpful, and neither effect is what we're supposed to see in this passage. Now part of the problem is where we begin. I began reading in verse 22 where it says, "...wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord." Why don't we begin in verse 21 though, in verse 21 where it says, <clears throat> submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. If we begin with one another, then what's happening here is bigger than husbands and, and wives. It's bigger than family. There are bigger lessons here than, than how to be a good wife or, or how to be a good husband. There's more here than, than telling us how to have a successful Christian marriage. And what Paul is asking is he's asking us to take a close look 
at where we find our rules. Where do we find our rules for doing life together? Now, we're going to be here in chapter 5, verses 21 through 33. It, it begins on page 978 in those blue Bibles in front of you if you want to follow along there. I've, I've also got all the notes on the, on the app if you're using the, the Uversion app today. But too often, I think, I think we just want a book of rules. We want someone to hand us a book of rules, whether that's rules of the road, whether that's rules for, for marriage, rules for the good life, rules for how to do this or how to do that. We want a book of rules. And so we read Ephesians chapter 5. Let me begin again. Submitting to one another out of reverence. Continuing on in verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is Himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And then verse 25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. We read a, a passage like that and, and you and I hear, well, we hear rules. We hear rules. And, and on top of that, we, we hear that passage as part of the Bible. It's part of the Bible. And you and I are just we just immediately realize, well, that's Scripture. That's, that's the Word of God. But is there something else going on here also? You see, Paul isn't so much... Paul isn't, isn't giving them rules as much as he's responding to the rules that society had given them. The Roman world. The Roman world ran on Roman rules. <laughs> Say that three times fast. The Roman world ran on Roman rules. Oh, can't even do it. The Roman world ran on Roman rules, and you were expected to know the Roman rules. Now, hundreds of years before Paul wrote this, Aristotle had written down the household rules for the Roman, the Roman Empire, the, the, the rules for the Roman household. You were expected to know them. You were expected to live by them. In fact, wives, you were expected to have memorized the household rules in order to keep them. Let me read for you some of the Roman household rules. Here they are. A husband and father rules over wife and children. Both free, but the rule differs. The rule over his children being a royal, over his wife a constitutional rule. For although there may be exceptions to the order of nature, the male is by nature fitter for command than the female. <laughs> Your face looks great, Kim. I wish you could see Kim's face. Just as the older and full-grown is, full is superior to the younger and more immature. That was the Roman rule for a household. You were expected to know that. You were expected to memorize that. Now, the Jews did not consider themselves to be Romans, even if they were living as part of the Roman Empire, so they couldn't be outdone. They had to have their own rules. And so the, the Jewish philosopher Philo, about 100 years earlier, Philo had written down the Jewish rules. Here's the Jewish rules. Wives must be in servitude to their husbands. A servitude not imposed by violent ill-treatment but promoting obedience in all things. And parents must have power over their children. The same holds for any other persons over whom the man has authority. That's the Roman rules. That's the Jewish rules. But let me ask you, what, what was missing in those rules? What, what word did you not hear in those rules? Love? You didn't hear the word love. 
in those rules. There's plenty about, about who submits. There's plenty about who's in charge. There's a lot about who's superior, who's more mature, who's in servitude, and who's in authority. But what you did not hear in the Roman rules or the Jewish rules, you did not hear the word love. Nothing about love. It's all about duty. It's all about who's in charge. There's nothing about caring for the other person. There's nothing about loving the other person. Now listen one more time to what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Uh, jump on down into verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. Jump on down to chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then verse, verse 4 of chapter 6. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Just a chapter earlier, in chapter 4, verse, verse 17, Paul had written this. He said, Now I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. The household rules were part of the futility of their minds. They, they thought that they could control people by giving them all of the right rules. And you and I come to that same futility when, when our concerns are just about, well, who's in charge? When our concerns are, are, are suddenly about, well, who's responsible? When all we think about, well, is, is, whose job is that? Who, whose job is it to do that? Instead of serving one another, instead of, instead of being submissive to one another. Paul says that's not to be your mindset. That's not how you do life together. Whether you do life together at home, whether you do life together in the church or out in your community, rather, you've got to find a way to let Jesus be seen in your relationships. And what he's showing us here is that our relationship with Christ defines every other relationship that we have. I already showed you verse 22. We can't read verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands without reading verse 21. Everyone submit to everybody else. But we also can't read verse 21 without going back to verse 18. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That, that all goes together. And the question is, is our relationship with Jesus seen in the way we treat each other? The way we love each other, the way we serve each other, the way we just get along with each other. Because if you're a Christian, your relationship with Jesus is primary and every other relationship you have flows from that. And so when we first submit to Jesus, then we can submit to one another. And you hear that in verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. It's about Jesus first. By the way, let me just make a clarification here, ladies. That word submit, it is not the same word as obey. Sounds great, right? The word submit is not the same word as obey. In fact, obedience is not really what this submission is about. Instead, this submission is about the kind of service that we ought to offer each other. It's also not a command. You need to know that. It's not a command. It's voluntary. The verb tense indicates this is a voluntary choice. You choose to submit because you have already submitted to Christ. Right? Now, Submit is not a command, but guys, 
we get a command. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. That phrase, love your wives, guys, that is a command. You do this. And first of all, you... You've got to remember, as as I already said, this is completely missing from the Roman household rules. This is completely missing from the Jewish household rules. Marriages were much more just about contracts than they were about love in those worlds. It's completely missing from the household codes. But but here, in the Christian life, in the Christian home, love is the hallmark feature of your relationship with your wife. Love isn't something she earns. If she submits correctly, it is your responsibility to love her. I also need to point out that women, the wives, get three verses in this passage, and the men get seven verses in this passage. The women get three verses, the men get seven verses. I don't know why, maybe it's just harder for us to understand things. Uh, can I get an amen, maybe? Yeah, yeah, I've given a lot of ladies going, yeah, 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 tell you twice, uh, if it's important, tell me three times. I'm sure to pick it up if you do that. The husbands get seven verses. And in, in those seven verses, there's one long, run-on sentence of 49 words. 49 words strung together without so much as a period because Paul gets excited about this because it is important and he wants to get it all out. And so we read, beginning in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her that He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word, so that He might present the church to Himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. And in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. For he who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are all members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, shall hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. (sighs) Thank you. And And then he just says in verse 32, this mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. This whole section is really about relationships within the church. It's just that the most intimate of those relationships, the most most important of those relationships, and often the most difficult of those relationships are the relationships within our families, within the church. And what Paul is getting at here is that the rules that that govern society, the rules that are applied by society, they do not apply to this church. They do not apply to you. They don't apply in your church. They don't apply in your home. We submit to something greater. We submit to someone greater. We submit to Jesus, and Jesus changes everything. Quite simply, the way we, the way we love others is a reflection of the way we love Jesus. I want you to notice what he says here in verse 32. Hear this again. He says, this mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. This mystery is profound. He says this is a mystery. Now, before you start thinking about Matlock or Murder, She Wrote, or uh, Scooby-Doo, maybe, you know, before you start thinking about those, Understand, every time Paul uses the word mystery, it's not something we have to puzzle over. It's not something we have to think about. It's not something we have to solve. 
whenever Paul uses the word mystery, it's a mystery that's been revealed. He's got the answer to the mystery. It's been solved. It's been taken care of. And the answer is Jesus. Jesus is the answer to this. What's been revealed is Jesus. And, and when Jesus was revealed, He changed everything. Jesus changes how we understand our closest relationships, how we understand relationships in our family, in our church, in our community. He changes how we define our responsibility to each other. It's no longer about duty and, and authority and who's in charge and who's submissive. It's about how we love each other. In fact, He changes our definition of how, how we define love itself. He sets the standard for how we should show love to one another. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. There really is no comparison between those two verses and the ancient Roman household rules. There's no comparison between the two. Nothing like, what, nothing like what Paul was calling for here. Nothing like what Paul is calling for here in those two verses alone had ever been seen in the Roman world. It had ever been seen anywhere before this. Husbands, love your wives vigilantly. You take care of them. Not out of duty, but out of love. Wives, respect your husband not because they're authority, not because they were made superior to you, but because of Christ. Because the way you love each other is a reflection of the way you love Jesus. I think back to those commandments on how to be a good wife. 1943. And yet already they, they are so out of date. And yet you read those commandments from 1943 and you realize that at one time that was the norm, right? At one time that was, that was the norm. You, you be subservient. You know your place. Man's in charge you realize that at one time, that, that was the definition of what marriage was, of a good marriage. Today, you can't go a day without hearing someone talking about redefining marriage. We live in a world where, where people want to redefine what marriage is, and, and sometimes that scares us. But Paul already redefined what marriage was a long time ago. He defined it by a whole new set of standards that the Romans and the, and the Jews had never seen before. Sometimes that scares us when we hear about people wanting to redefine marriage. But you know, before we react, I, I really hope we stop and consider, before anything else, I, I hope we are clear on defining what loving Jesus is. I hope we are clear on understanding that that's where we have to begin with every other relationship. Do we love Jesus? And is that seen in our other relationships? What do we allow to inform us? What do we allow to inform us on how to treat other people? To what guide do we look to tell us how to treat others? How do we treat family members? How do we treat strangers? Where do we find the answers to those? Where do we find the rules? Do we look to our own upbringing? Well, that's not the way I was brought up. Do we look to something like the the good housewife guide that I, that I read for you earlier? Do we look to our politics to tell us how to love other people and how to care for other people? Do we look to our, our own preferences or even our own prejudices? I mean, if someone showed up and gave us a new list of household rules, would we memorize those? <laughs> would we live by those? Would we need those? Because what, what Paul has shown us here and what we all need to come to grips with is if my relationship with Jesus 
isn't telling me how to love other people, then there's something wrong with my relationship with Jesus. If that relationship, if, if, if our relationship with Christ doesn't teach us how to extend forgiveness, how to welcome strangers, then we haven't fully understood what Jesus has done for us first. Now some of you, some of you spent your whole lives wondering what the rules were. You spent the whole, your whole life wondering what are the rules. And when you found a set of rules, when you found the rules, well, one of two things happened. One, for some of us, maybe we thought, well, good, because I've kept the rules. I've, I've obeyed all of those rules, and we decided that we succeeded because we kept the rules, we're a good person. What's probably more likely is when we saw the rules, we saw how badly messed up. And we saw what we, what we always knew, that we're failures, that we can't do anything right. But what Paul is telling us here is stop looking for rules and look to Jesus. Love Jesus. Put Him first. And when you put Him first, all of those other relationships fall into place. Let's stand together and let me pray. Father, every, every one of us has someone that we know, someone we care about, who has failed when it comes to keeping the rules. There's someone that each one of us loves that they know they've fallen short, they know they've sinned, and they've found themselves broken and hurting. And Father, the last thing they need for, uh, from us, the last thing they need from us is for us to tell them more rules. What they need is more Jesus. Before anything else, before we give advice, before we even tell them what they've done wrong, give us hearts that will show them Jesus, to show them His love and His compassion, and even show them His forgiveness. And Father, it may very well be that the person who needs that the most is right here in this room. And so let us all show Jesus to one another as we submit to one another because we first submitted to Him. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.